Lear Corporation, a traditional seat supplier, is preparing for an electrified, autonomous, and connected world. On today's show, the CEO of the company, Ray Scott, discusses how they're adding the technical capability to ensure the company can grow as the auto industry changes. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, this automotive industry is headed into a world that's going to be very different with autonomy and electrification and connectivity and mobility services. Today, we're going to get a viewpoint from a supplier's perspective because our special guest today is Ray Scott, the president and CEO of the Lear Corporation, and it's a pleasure to have you on the set. Well, thank you, John. It's great to be here. Also joining us today are Jerome Levine from Sirius XM Radio, although we should say it's a special channel in time. Which is that? Well, it's, uh, it's on channel 121. My show is called In the Driver's Seat. It's on Saturday at noon. And uh, if you're a Sirius subscriber, a Sirius subscriber and a Sirius subscriber, please tune in. I'd love to have you listen to us. And uh, we have 30 million subscribers, so uh, it's a big group. It is a big group. And also joining us today, Drew Winter from Ward's Auto, and great having you back on this It's great to be back, John. Well, let's talk about Lear, and let's talk about what I alluded to here, Ray. Connectivity, electrification, autonomous vehicles, mobility services. Lear has historically been a seat supplier. How do you take seats into that kind of a world? Well, it is unprecedented in the technologies, what we're seeing, and Lear is unbelievably positioned today for mobility, reconfigurability, what we're doing with health and wellness, personalization within the vehicle itself, within seating. And then you have electrification and connectivity, which is the components that we supply. So right now, you know, we've been a great manufacturing company, and we see this, you know, change right now. We're pivoting, become a technology innovation company, and we couldn't be better aligned with these great trends that we're seeing in automotive. What do you mean when you say health? How, how does a seat in the car reflect your health or affect it? Well, okay, so let me give you an example. Proper posture, how you sit in your seat. And with sensor fusion, our capabilities with technologies, um, reading your health rate as far as your health, um, your, health uh, your heartbeat, your monitoring of your uh, positioning within the seat are all capabilities that we have. And think about the seat is the only pit place of physical connectivity. So on the amount of data that we can collect within the seat, to give you information back with health and wellness. So your heart rate, how you're positioning your seat for comfort. The seat has been a static device, and we believe without question the seat will become a smart device. I mean, everything that we touch today, we we work with today, are smart devices. The seat's no different. And so when we think about health and wellness, how it picks up proper posture and what it does to your organs if you're not you're slouching or you're in a different position, and we'll adjust the seat for your um, anthropometric measurement. So it will read you personally and adjust as opposed to knobs and controllers and things that are more static. It's intuitive, and so it'll adjust to your personal preferences. You're talking about a smart seat. It's a smart seat, and not just with health and wellness. I mean, when you think about the seat in all kinds of different dynamic situations, the center stack is somewhat you know, individualized to just one person in the vehicle. So we think about mobility and ride share where you have multiple customers within the vehicle. And so we have sound zone and where your, your seed will actually be connected to your smart device. And so when you get in there, you can have your personal preferences as far as music, how you connect uh, with the phone, how you connect with texting right in your sound zone, which is in your headrest. 
And so it will read your personal preferences, how you want to set that seat up, so you can individualize it too. And then with safety, I mean, it's a very dynamic world that we're in today, and the technology is changing so rapidly. So we can actually adjust the seat given a rear impact or a front impact. There's that type of capability where we can adjust so we can protect the customer given any type of situation. So how about with airbags, though? I mean, when you have people in all these crazy positions and, you know, in autonomous cars, how do you protect people in, in, in actual crashes where the seats previously have always been, you know, in a, in a static position? Yeah, so that, that's a, a, a great, I'm not going to say an opportunity that has to be solved because you're right. The airbags, um, are, we work with our customers with the complete environment. And so when we think about reconfigurability, where we're at is, we have a rail system that allows the seats to be reconfigurable within the vehicle. And they move on electric rail. And so there are safety mechanisms that will still have to be in the vehicle. You know, when you talk about articulating seats within the vehicle, you're still going to have to understand where that occupant is at all time within the, the environment within the vehicle. But what we've designed is a rail system that has been electrified. And we talk about a smart device where... It's always been tethered, so you have wires and you know different uh, harnesses that connect the seat to the floor. Well, now that we've created these rails where the seats um, really ride on the rails, you have you limit yourself on wires and those type of capabilities so that you have a, a seat that can be adjusted rearward. You can move it around. You can pull it out of the vehicle because we think about mobility and the fact that vehicles will be on the road more means you're going to have to have modulars or concept seats that are going to be replaced. And so you're going to get different types of interactions with the, the, the rail system. We call it the drop-and-go system. And it's a smart device that allows you to still keep the electronics within the rail, um, allow for airbags, allow for um, seat heaters, recliners, those type of things that have been lacking from a, a seat that moves within the vehicle. Now, to your, your question of airbags, that's still something that has to be developed over a longer term in respect to how the, the consumers are going to be in that vehicle and how they're going to um, adjust within the vehicle. Ray, how about the overall design of the cabin? We talk about mobility. We know that we're now having cars that are basically evolved from buggies where the driver is in the position and then the front seat passenger is in the position and two, two or three or more rows behind them, sort of everybody face forward. But in a world where that driver is not the driver anymore, the car is, is a robotic device, basically, it would seem to me that everybody is trying to sort of use their imagination to figure out what the cabin should look like, the right. ingress, egress. Are your people working on that right. as well? And what have they discovered? And what direction do you think this is going to take? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's a ways out there before we get to, you know, um, a, a completely autonomous vehicle. I think there's going to be levels within that before we see a completely autonomous vehicle. But yes, it has changed the way we look at the interior, and we think it's a significant opportunity for us. When we talk about an intuitive seat system, that's exactly the direction where we're going, a seat that is much more intuitive, that when you think about a customer that's going to have rideshare, and when you, you call up a, a particular you know, autonomous vehicle, that seat is already going to be adjusted to your preferences. You know, when I talk about sound zone, that it's going to be set to the music preferences that you have. Heat and cool. Think about heat and cool within the cabin. It, it, right now, you think about the HVAC and how it heats the whole cabin. Well, now you're going to be um, heating and cooling a particular occupant within the seat system. You know, we, we've seen 
um, and, and gotten some feedback on consumers that have ride share where they don't want to adjust the heat because they don't want to necessarily, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, go against somebody else within the vehicle that wants it at a certain temperature. Well, you can, in, you know, heat Make and cool. Make this customizable. Yeah, so right in that seat person. system that you're sitting in. So those are the things that, yeah. you know, we're working on. We've made some acquisitions, what we're looking at, where you can heat and cool the occupant to their, their preferences. You know, you think about it. So we're all customers. This is the great thing about the products that we manufacture every day. You know, what as consumers that we're looking for? You know, as opposed to setting the temperature within the environment of the cabin, I just want my personal preferences of what my body temperature should be, regardless if it's, well, like today, 94 degrees out or if it's 20 degrees out. You know, it can read my personal preferences. And that, those are the changes that we're seeing. And like I say, with a seat that's going to be intuitive is exactly where the world's going. And so if it's safety, if it's, uh, you know, personal preferences, the, the dynamics that are going to go on within that cabin are completely different. We see thinner profiles, higher quality, exotic materials, preferences, almost like your family room coming in, you know, like, say, a living room going into the vehicle. Those are things that customers are going to prefer because they are going to spend more quality time within the vehicle doing other things than just driving. Could I just follow up with one question, please? You said uh, you think that autonomous cars are a ways out. Ford Motor Company has said that it's going to have a fully autonomous vehicle in commercial use in 2021, mm -hmm. which by my arithmetic is three years from now. What do your people say is the advent of autonomous cars, and when do you think it's going to come? Well, well I, I, okay, within a controlled environment. I think that there's absolutely applications where autonomous vehicles will make sense, you know, where it has a certain path where a vehicle will take um, a certain path with a certain destination in a very controlled environment is, is my, you know, the way I look at it. Um, I do think it's coming as quicker when I, when I think about the overall technology. You, you look at what General Motors is doing um, with what they have with um, autonomous type features within the vehicle, what Tesla is doing, what Ford Motors Company is doing. So the technology is coming as much quicker. And I don't think it's just the autonomous. I think it's the electrification. I think it's this connectivity that we're talking about. It is coming at us very quickly. One of the things we, we talk about is are the customers going to realize the technologies that are in the vehicle? You know, because there's a tremendous amount of technologies within the automotive sector today. And now just think about this unprecedented amount of technology that's coming at us over the next five years. And so how much can you get in? Will the customer accept it? You know, you drive electric vehicles, and it's a completely different sensation. You know, there's some issues right now with electric vehicles, but I, I think there will be disruptors within that space that will allow customers to get over range anxiety or the ability to charge quicker. I think those will change quick, quickly and, and actually come at the customer in a much you know, faster way as opposed to looking at 2027 or out. Those type of technologies will be coming at So I think there's so much coming at us. It, it's, it's how you look at autonomous electrification connectivity and what is the consumption of the customer or what the willingness of understanding this technology and how will they adapt to it. Do, do these trends mean you're going to sell more seats in the future or less seats or higher value seats? I mean, that's a big question, right? I mean, yeah. I've heard... Asking uh, tire companies, are, are, is new mobility trends going to change? You know, are you going to sell more tires or less tires? And at least the ones I've talked to, they say, well, we're going to sell more tires because these, these uh, cars are going to be shared. They're going to be doing more miles. W what's your view in the seat business? I mean, is it, with, with more shared vehicles and everything. Well, like I said, 
with the seat being the first point of physical connectivity and where the customer is going to be doing a lot different types of things within the vehicle, I think that there's going to be additional content. And then how that content is going to be introduced, there's some offsets within the overall vehicle. But we do look at uh, reconfigurability and mobility and ride share and those things where these vehicles will be on the road longer. And if you think about it, you know, there's going to be a lot more wear and tear on the seats. And what we're designing is when I talk about this rail system, this drop and go, very easy if a vehicle is on the road for 17 hours where you can pull seats in and out in a modular type consumption, you know, as far as being able to, if something happens in a rear seat, you know, somebody's sitting in it and you need to adjust it, you can put an, um, a replacement seat in quickly because there is going to be a need, a need for replacement parts at a, a completely different level than what we've seen in the past. And they're going to have to be adaptable to different re, uh, reconfigurability uh, types of setups within the, the vehicle itself. I mean, different types of use, different types of configuration, different type of, you know, um, uh, setups as far as how many people can sit in the vehicle. So we see an increase in that, but a different type of um, supply, you know, in respect to it's going to be some other type of um, way that those seats will be installed as opposed to the traditional OE in the vehicle. It's going to be outside where you're actually doing um, work on the vehicle or replacement of the vehicle parts or the, that type of setup. Ray, if you're going to collect all kinds of data through the seat, then cybersecurity's got to be an issue. Yeah. Is that something that Lear would handle? Would it be up to the car maker? Do you work together? How, how are you proceeding with this? Yeah, that's a great question. And cybersecurity is a, a, a big interest, and in not only from our customers, but we have, um, we have a facility here in Ann Arbor that we've set up for cybersecurity that we work with our customers. So it's a collaboration with our customers. We believe there's a value proposition for our customers. And, you know, we, we download over-the-air software updates to modules within the vehicle today. Some of the, the most sophisticated boxes that are going into um, Volkswagen and Audi, we supply. And we're launching them this year. And so we believe our value proposition is the management of that data and cybersecurity being a part of that. So we have cybersecurity software that's written for our components. And there's obviously a vehicle um, element here that we work in collaboration with our customers. So China's driving the automotive market now. Um, it's, it's way bigger than the U.S. automotive market and, and we see very different um, consumer tastes. How do you see the Chinese market overall changing vehicle interiors, changing seats? Yeah, um, that's a great question because we see that as a big opportunity. Uh, we have right now about $4 billion of consolidated and non-consolidated sales within China and Asia. And right now what's going on with electrification is astonishing. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a country that has decided they're going to have electric vehicles. You know, you go over there right now, the buses are running on electric electricity. The vehicles are moving quickly to electrification, and that's exactly what we do. And so the doors have been open with the domestics in China in respect to what they want to accomplish with um, electrification. So right now, we're continuing to build our resources and our infrastructure around electrification of vehicles, which opens a door for us both in seating and um, our e-systems business. So when we're in establishing relationships, we're also talking about seating. And so we're seeing a, a, a significant change in content. Those customers obviously are changing to become a little bit more traditional in sense of some of the personalization, the customization that they're looking for within the vehicle. So we're seeing content increase. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the material usage, the type of materials and premium materials change. 
Um, and you're absolutely right. We look at that market and the growth that it's seeing is, I mean, it's, it's staggering. And so we're in a great position. We have great manufacturing facilities. We continue to invest in the technology and innovation that we're seeing as far as trends. But the content per vehicle in respect to the seating is, is changing. Um, Ray, in the last week, Ford Motor Company announced that it's buying the old Michigan Central train station downtown, which uh, has been one of the leading eyesores of downtown Detroit. At the same time, Detroit is a very happening place right now. Lots of young people coming there, and there's been a lot of development downtown. It's really sort of one of the hottest places now uh, to, to be for, uh, for young, career-oriented people. And you have operations and have moved operations to downtown Detroit. Could you talk a little bit about what your experience has been down there and where you see this evolving for your company? Yeah, but that's a great question. And we do have two facilities down there. We have our Innovation Technology Center, um, which is a capital park. And I, I think back to when we first went down and looked at the building six, seven years ago. And, and Matt Simoncini was outstanding on making sure we had an infrastructure and a footprint within the city of Detroit, and with good reason. And we were just talking earlier about retention and attracting talent. And it's amazing when you go and you're around the country, the amount of enthusiasm for the city of Detroit, even outside of Detroit. And so being in Detroit is very important from a history standpoint, the Lear Corporation, but more importantly, it is about how you attract talent. And, you know, a lot of the talent that we're attracting to Lear, when we talk about electrification and connectivity and intuitive seating and these technologies that traditionally have been outside the state of Michigan, bring them in and, and, and uh, having them set up shop within Detroit is, is you know, a really uh, an attention getter for them. And so... Um, it's worked out extremely well. I think you guys know we just hired a, a new CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officer, uh, John Asmeyer. Uh, came from Samsung, from California. He's been around in our industry. Uh, such a passionate uh, leader for innovation technology because those are the type of trends that we see, and we think Detroit is perfect for that. I mean, you get on a wait list for an apartment down there. The, the, the enthusiasm, the excitement in the city of Detroit is great. When we bring in talent, they're excited about uh, working in the city of Detroit. So we think it's not just about where we set up shop, but having a different place where we have um, an alternative where people can Certain, work. And it's kind of an urban experience. And I guess if you uh, interview uh, a young software hotshot from uh, Stanford or MIT, they don't want to come to town and find out they're out on the outskirts somewhere. They want to be in the center of the action. Yeah, you have to, you have to be flexible. And like I said, we set up in Ann Arbor. We're in Ann Arbor. We have uh, locations in California locations in Israel, locations in China, locations in Detroit. Having that flexibility allows us to attract the top talent. And not just that, retain the top talent. We have to do a good job. We were talking earlier about we have great universities here. You know, retaining that talent here and giving them a different experience, I think it's perfect. And the, the excitement around the city of Detroit is just another opportunity for us to attract talent. So it's a great, great recruiting tool for oh, you. It's, it's, it's outstanding. Well, it's a lot more affordable to live here than it is Silicon Valley. Right, so. and that, that's absolutely right, yep. Ray, we've seen the Trump administration enact tariffs on steel and aluminum. I'm sure that's affecting your business, but the next step are threats on raising import tariffs on cars. Uh, who knows where that's going to go, at least as we tape this show. What's your thinking on that, and does that affect Lear's planning as it goes forward? 
Well, yeah, I, okay, that, that, uh, <laughs> that's a question. It's a, it's if a I had, question. If I had, I'm sure the White House is very interested in what you yeah, think. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> sure they really care about what I think. I, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously we study a lot of different what-ifs. And, you know, if you look at NAFTA or the tariffs or, or whatever is going to happen next week, you know, we're constantly looking at, you know, where we invest and how we're going to invest. And there's outside influences like what are going on today that influence our decisions. But, you know, I think a lot of that, we look at that, we're probably a, a lot more optimistic, meaning I think a lot of this is, is going to be negotiated out. I think that, you know, reasonable people will get this resolved in a reasonable way. But we also have to be guarded, you know, in the event that, um, you know, we protect our interests. And so we do study it. But, you know, look how many times NAFTA has changed. And, and so we see what's going on. We play, pay close attention to it, but we're not also overreacting to a particular situation in today's press and, and headlines. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll wait and see what actually develops. Right, right. We'll wait and well, see. I, I tend to agree, by the way. I, I mean, people aren't tuning in necessarily to hear what I think about this, but I think a lot of it is posturing. A lot of it is going to be negotiated out. A lot of it are sort of talking points on the right and left. And I think a lot of it is end up, is going to end up going away. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's talk uh, going back to, to cars then. Passenger car sales are absolutely collapsing in the United States. I think they're dropping by 50 to 60,000 units a month. But it's not just in the U.S. It, it's globally. How does that affect your planning? Well, okay, look, our backlog and the way we look at backlog is net new business wins, contract wins. 90% of our seat business are in awards of crossover SUVs. So we're very well positioned for this trend that's going forward. Um, yeah, as far as what's been short-term, we do see this trend changing. I mean, if you, you can see the numbers. I mean, I think CUV SUVs today represent over almost 40% of the overall market. And we don't think that's going to change um, significantly. We think it'll be between 40 and 50%. But we're very well positioned for the new programs they're launching over the next several years. And so we put ourselves in a really good position in respect to our backlog. Mm -hmm. So how about leather? I mean, I think uh, you own a leather company or bought a, a leather company. Yeah. and uh, the, the best leather company, yes. Eagle Ottawa. So yeah. it's the most... It's got the best reputation, most premium leather in the world. So there are, there are I guess, uh, two trends here. We're seeing with, with, with more CUVs and SUVs, they use uh, more leather per vehicle. On the other hand, we're hearing that uh, Chinese customers in particular don't like, they're very sensitive to smells and not crazy about the smell of leather and, and that in China it's less popular or may, you know, not be used. What's your overall view of, of where leather interiors go? I mean, Tesla offers a vegan interior. Right, right. Yeah. What, how do you, you know, navigate all this, this, this material trends? Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. In China, there's uh, the new car smell. They don't like the new car smell. And so culturally, you have to look regionally at what your customers are looking for. And we work closely with our, our actual customers on those type of trends. And so it's actually a new car smell that they don't necessarily like. And so... We look at what's changing within the interior, and we just touched on it. And it. You know, consumers are looking for what they have in their home to be very, be very similar to what they see within their vehicle, and this is what our customers are looking at. So we see increased exotic materials, different types of materials, leather being one of them, but a combination. We're the only seat supplier, and what's great, and, and I think, John, you were at our Crafted by Layer Center, where we believe the customers are looking at combinations of different types of materials. It could be a combination of leather and maybe synthetic type of materials along with textiles, premium textiles. So 
it's really changing quickly, but you know, having those capabilities in leather and textiles and cutting. So give us an opportunity to go in early with our customers in the studios and understand what type of material selections that they want and what combinations of different materials they want. And so it is changing, but we're in a perfect position for these premium materials that are coming in. Because I think it's going to be more of a combination. I think when you see some of the you know, type of designs that are coming out in seating, it is this premium fabric touch feel. You know, the, the brand has been primarily the exterior of the vehicle, and I still think that'll be part of it, but customers are more demanding of the interior. You know, when you look at an interior, customers are more likely to come back and buy a vehicle based on the interior or were they satisfied in the interior touch, feel, experience. And so we're seeing the exotic materials really pick up, and you do a lot of that work in the design studios at the clay, allowing for the flexibility how you can get those designs. I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Innovation Center because one of the premises for Lear doing that, at least you announced at the time, is getting much more earlier involvement mm -hmm. with the car companies. Because, as you know, if you attack a problem early in the design process, whether it's a configuration or a materials or whatever it happens to be, it's so much cheaper to get it done. It's so much uh, easier to get it done very, very well than farther down the design process. Have the OEMs, have the car companies been open to this early involvement? That's a good question. It, yes, they are open to it. And, and I think it's because of the success stories that we've been able to build, because we have some success stories working with General Motors early on the T1. We, we got in early with their studios, not just by the reducing- The T1 being the, the, the pickup new, trucks. The new trucks, yeah. yep. And so we worked early with them in the studios in, you know, before the statement of requirements are written, where you're really locked in. And then you go back, you do your VA, you modify, or you're limited on what you can do as far as styling or uh, customer preferences. So we have an incredible track record of working early with our customers. And we're starting to see that trend change where full service suppliers contracts are coming out, early development contracts. When you, when you think about an intuitive seat, there's no statement or requirement for an intuitive seat. You don't take it off the shelf. You have to work early on in the development program and those are the type of contracts that we have. So we have development contracts with a, you know, multiple customers today that we're working well before what would be a traditional sourcing model. And with that, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap this up. But Ray Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, Online. thanks it's for having me. It's been a real pleasure great. having you here. Daron Levine, Drew Winter, great having the both of you thank guys you here. And as I always say, I want to thank all of you for having tuned in.